you started rising, I was going, hmm. <laughs> 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 so um, <laughs> Welcome to Who Knew. Hello. For real this time. But no, we recorded okay, all of Okay, so <laughs> all of this is real. Don't worry. Um, How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How was your week? It was good. Give us more. The use. That's boring. Fought crime. Tell me a little bit. Took naps. I actually did not take a single nap. Um, I, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure now. Now you know how I feel, and then I just start ranting. <laughs> How's your week? It was good. Tell me more. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a training. I think mm-hmm. we talked about that last week because we recorded mid of my training. Mm-hmm. So finished that. Um, it went well. Got to see a lot of dogs. Nice. That's always a perk. Yeah. Yeah. They're really cute. They're little golden doodles. Nice. Oh, so adorable. I know that you hate that, but they were soft and fuzzy. You don't really like anything with poodle in it, but... Oh my gosh, they were so cute. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Good for you. Um, do you have anything podcast related? Um, I feel like I did, but it's not there. I feel like we talked about something that was like related to an episode that we did. Do you have an update? I do. Ooh. Hold on. I gotta get on TikTok to make sure I get the right thing. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I do. First thing you want to do is go to, if you're on TikTok, go to at Tiny Dooms. Um, she was a tour guide at the Winchester Mystery House. Dooms? Like D-O-O-M-S or D-U-N-E-S? Doom. Uh, D-O-O-M-S. Okay. Tiny Dooms. She was a former, uh, seasonal, um tour guide at the Winchester Mystery House and um she gives a whole kind of uh spilling the tea on the Winchester and pretty much everything we talked about is incorrect what <laughs> yeah like historically very incorrect and we kind of talked about that a little bit how like a lot of the ghost lore and the seance lore all of that could have been like very much fabricated after uh Sarah Winchester died to just make her look like an old crazy old lady. And that's exactly what happened. So I totally recommend, we're probably not going to do like a follow-up episode on this. Um, so I recommend going to this TikTok. She has a whole series on uh, the actual history of Sarah Winchester and what is kept from the public, especially on the tours. Because she says if you uh, don't say what we talked about on the on the podcast and you actually talk about what Sarah Winchester was all about... You can get fired. Because they want to keep up with the lore and the intrigue of this crazy old lady who made this crazy old house. Accurate. Follow up on that. Um, If you want to listen to a whole podcast that she has interviewed on, I would go to, uh, it's called The Holly Weird. So H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-I-R-D. Paranormal podcast. Um, And they just did, they released it on March 6th. So yesterday... Uh, as of the day that we're recording, uh, a whole interview with, um, her name is Christine Frank, and uh, yeah, she talks all about it and all about the true history of Sarah Winchester and what a truly badass woman she was and how she gave jobs to people of color, uh, different races that were extremely, you know, 
not treated fairly at the time. Um, Is that why she did constant building on the house is to employ those people? To do that. And then the people that she employed, if they like got married, she would build them a house on the property, let them live there for free. Like, yeah, she was extraordinary. And that gets totally washed away by this like lore that she was just this crazy old spiritualist who did seances every night, which was not true. So 10 out of 10 recommend uh, looking both of those yeah. that podcast and that TikTok account I'm... up if you are interested in this. Yeah, so. I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds really interesting, mm-hmm. especially since like we've been hearing about this for easily decades a hundred about years. the winchester a house. literal hundred years this i mean year. yeah that's crazy they yeah so the year that they bought the house and then turned it kind of into a museum a, a, an attraction mm-hmm. uh was 19 wow castle was 1922 so 100 years of being pushed fake news <laughs> what the fuck so, yeah. all that for what money y- yes <laughs> it's so annoying yes so uh yeah that's the update I have. <laughs> I guess we're never going there then. No. Well, we did that cool virtual tour, and that was yeah. enough for me. I, I would still like to go there. I think it'd be interesting, I but I would support blasphemous yeah. money-grabbing liars. Well, her TikTok went totally viral, so we'll see if anything changes. Hopefully it does. They might sue her. Based on what? What's What's the verbal version of slander? Is that slander? slander. Sorry. I was thinking of the whatever. For it's slander. Not slander if it's true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have anything? No, I don't. Cool. Um, Sammy got me onto the topic that I'll be talking about tonight based off of her topic, but I happen to be going first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm gonna be telling you about the a little bit about the life and then about the somewhat mysterious death of Natalie Wood. Ooh, I'm so excited. Cool. Um, I got most of my info from allthat'sinteresting.com and obviously from Wikipedia because it's easy. <laughs> so easy. A caveman can do it. <laughs> Probably. They couldn't type as fast as me, though. Oh, yeah. Lightning fingers over here. Okay. So, uh, Natalie Wood was actually born Natalie Zakarenko. She should have kept it. In San Francisco, California, to Maria Zudilova. Oh, God, why did I do this to myself? You do so this. Now you know you. how I feel. To Maria Zudilova and her second husband, Nicholas Zagarenko. Her mom, Maria, was born in Barnal, South Siberia, or in Southern Siberia. And her maternal grandfather owned a soap and candle factory as well as an estate outside the city, so they were pretty well off. Uh, at the start of the Russian Civil War, his family left Russia, resettling as refugees in the Chinese city of Harbin, which is pretty interesting. Uh, her dad, Nicholas, was born in Usurisk. Her paternal grandfather was a chocolate factory worker who joined the anti-Bolshevik civilian forces during the war and was killed in a street fight in Vladivostok. Dang. Between red and white Russian soldiers. Dang. After that, his widow and three sons fled to Shanghai and subsequently relocated to Vancouver at the time of Wood's paternal paternal grandmother's remarriage in 1927. And then by 1933, they moved to the U.S. Nicholas ended up meeting Wood's mother while she was still 
uh, married to her first husband. Scandalous. Oh, aren't they always? So Wood's parents were married in, in February of 19... I'm going to read say that. Wood's parents were married in February of 1938, which was five months before she was born. In 1942, they bought a home in Santa Rosa, where Natalie was noticed by members of a crew during a film shoot downtown. Um, she started acting... She was like a child actress, and... Uh, David Lewis and William Getz, who were studio executives at RKO Radio Pictures, changed her last name to Wood. Uh, to be more attractive. <laughs> right. And, which was to reference director Sam Wood. Wood's oh. only full sibling, Svetlana Gurdon, which uh, the family had changed their last, the, their like surname, uh, was born in Santa Monica in 1946, and she is now known as Lana Wood, if you've ever heard of Lana Wood. Uh, she also became an actress. So, Wood's two marriages to act... I'm going to go really quickly. Th- I could go... This could be a whole episode just like Marilyn Monroe was. Right. Where you go through every movie she was in and every everything. But I'm going to try and kind of streamline that a little bit. Wood uh, was married twice to actor Robert Wagner. And both of those marriages were pretty highly publicized, obviously. They first got married on December 28th in 1957. They were married in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Natalie was 19 at the time. Very young. (laughs) On June 20th of 1961, the couple announced that they were separating in a joint press conference, and then uh, they were divorced 10 months later on April 22nd. Nope, April 27th of 1962. Following that marriage, Wood dated Warren B., Michael Caine, do you know him? The name sounds familiar. You, Does he have something to do with Batman? Yes. He was uh, the butler in the, mm. in the what's his name? Alfred? He was Alfred, but in which movies with, who would play Batman? Uh, play Michael Keaton? No. Val Kilmer? No. Next. George Clooney? No, my gosh, the new ones. Robert Pattinson? Pre that one. <laughs> <laughs> You named every ones. Batman except for the one. <laughs> oh my god! No, gosh. who was in the, uh, the? He's in the Dark Knight. Christ, Bale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he also plays uh, Austin Powers' dad. So. Oh my god. Uh, she also dated uh, David Niven Jr., and she had a broken engagement in 1965 with a Venezuelan shoe manufacturer, Ladislav Blatnik. On May 30th of 19... I'm just laughing about, like, my tested Batman knowledge, and I got it all wrong. I'm staring at this wall of Batman comics, and I'm like, You can't say the, the one new Batman? ones, because it's not... Ben Affleck was even more new than Christian Bale. I don't even count him, to be honest. In my own... That's I, not how I never works. watched a single... Okay. No. Let's just keep going. Christian Bale's my favorite one. He sucks. Okay. Well... Um, <clears throat> on May 30th of 1969, Natalie married a British producer, the producer named Richard Gregson after dating for almost three years. They had a daughter together whose name was Natasha and she ended up filing for divorce from Gregson on August 4th of 1971. Uh, it was finalized in April of 1972 and after a short lived romance with a future California governor, Jerry Brown, 
Natalie resumed her relationship with Robert Wagner at the end of January of 1972. They ended up getting remarried on July 16th of that year aboard the Ramblin' Rose, which was a boat, or probably a yacht, uh, and it was anchored off of Paradise Cove in Malibu. That would be a pretty cool wedding, I think. You married on a boat? No, thank you. Off the coast of Malibu? No? No. Not for you? Good thing we didn't get married there. Thank God. (laughs) Um, They also had a daughter named Courtney, and she was born on March 9th of 1974. Um... Fun fact, in 2013, former FBI agent Donald G. Wilson said that he and Natalie Wood had a four-year affair from 1973 to 1977 that began when she was pregnant with Courtney Wagner. Um, in He's 20- like, oh, I really like those big belly ladies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In 2016, uh, he also spoke on camera about his alleged affair with Natalie in a documentary for the cable network Reels. Oh. Uh-huh. Celebrity bodyguard Chris Herzog has also stated that Wood told his grandma, who was uh, an Avalon socialite, that uh, basically they were friends and she was planning on getting a divorce from Wagner and that he himself saw Wood the morning before she disappeared. So that's just some a little fun tidbit in there. B- brief overview of her career because it is extensive. Um... She was an Academy Award-dominated actress who was in some of the most famous films of all time. She co-starred in The Miracle on 34th Street when she was only 8 years old. When she was a teenager, she earned her first Oscar nomination, and she was nominated for three Oscars before she turned 25. Yeah. Jeez. She's a badass. Hey, if you want a full detail or a full filmography on her, you can... It's very easy to look up. So, let's get down to the... Meat and potatoes and the tail wags from Ronnie. I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying no, to fine. appease her, it's but it's just fine. thump, thump, thump. <laughs> so Natalie Wood died under what today is considered mysterious circumstances. Uh, she was 43 at the time, and she was on a weekend boat trip to Santa Catalina Island on board her husband's 58-foot yacht called the Splendor. Splinter. The Splendor. Splinter. Yes, almost. Um, Outside of drowning, many of the circumstances are pretty unknown still at this time. Outside Uh, of drowning? It was never determined how she actually got into the water, like different things outside of that. She had some injuries that weren't fully explained, and we will get into that. So, uh, Wood was with her husband, Robert Wagner, and her co-star at the time, Christopher Walken. And like the Christopher the Walken. Christopher Walken. Okay. Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher. I'm walking here. I'm Christopher Walken. <laughs> uh, alongside the ship, the the ship. That sounds weird. The yachts, the boats. Uh, captain, a man named Dennis Davern, and he'll come into play pretty significantly in a bit. Uh, this was on the evening of November twenty eighth in nineteen eighty one. Uh, authorities recovered her body at eight a.m. on November 29th, one mile away from the boat. Uh, with a small Valiant brand inflatable dinghy. So that's like a small boat, an inflatable boat, uh, which was beached uh, nearby. Wagner said that he she was not with him when he went to bed, and the autopsy report revealed that she had bruises on her body and arms as well as an abrasion on her left cheek, but no indication as to how or when those injuries occurred. 
Dennis uh, Davern had previously stated that Wood and Wagner had argued that evening, which Wagner denied at the time. In his memoir, Wagner ended up admitting that he did have an argument with Natalie before she disappeared. The autopsy found that Wood's blood alcohol content was 0.14, which is pretty high, and that there were traces of motion sickness pills and a painkiller in her bloodstream, both of which would have increased the effects of the alcohol. How did they test for that if they didn't find her body until, like, the next day? What do you mean? It would still be in her bloodstream. For that long? Well, it can't dissipate because her blood's not moving anymore. Oh. Yeah. Damn, I forgot. So That's what go- happens when you die. Yeah, I can't go through her, like, Liver to filter. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. good. Good, good. Um, the Los Angeles County Coroner at the time, Thomas Noguchi, ruled the case, the cause of her death to be accidental drowning in hypothermia. According to Noguchi, Wood had been drinking and she might have slipped while she was trying to get onto the small dinghy to get away from the yacht to go back to shore. Her sister Lana expressed a lot of doubts, alleging that Wood, A, couldn't swim, and B, had, was extremely scared of the water, had been all of her life, and that she would have never left the yacht on her own. Two witnesses who were on a nearby boat stated that they heard a woman scream for help during the night. Oh, good. The case was actually reopened in November of 2011. Hmm. After Dennis Davern, the boat captain, publicly stated that he had lied to police during their initial investigation and that Wood and Wagner had an argument that evening. He alleged that Wood had been flirting with Christopher Walken and that Wagner was jealous and pissed off about that and that Wagner had prevented Davern from turning on the searchlights and notifying authorities after Wood's disappearance. Hmm. Davern alleged that Wagner was responsible for her death. Walken hired a lawyer cooperated with the investigation was never considered a suspect by authorities obviously he's christopher walken right in 2012 the la county chief coroner this is another rough name that i had to like put dashes in so i would pronounce it somewhat right lakshmanon sathyavagus warren oh that's long (laughs) (laughs) i did good though right very impressive i would have just stared at it for five minutes i did mispronounced it i did earlier and then i put a bunch of dashes so that i could phonetically get this right that's so fun um that's smart i should steal that (laughs) he amended wood's death certificate and changed the cause of death from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors interesting the amended document included a statement that is, quote, not clearly established uh, how Wood ended up in the water. Detectives instructed the coroner's office not to discuss or comment on the case, and on January 14th of 2013, the L.A. County Coroner's Office offered a 10-page addendum to Wood's autopsy report. That's pretty fucking long. 10 pages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The addendum stated that Wood might have sustained some bruises on her body before she went into the water, but that this could not be definitively determined. Forensic pathologist Michael Hunter, who you might recognize from the show that you and I watch sometime, and the podcast Autopsy. Sure. Yeah? No. We've watched it many times. I'm sure we have. The name just doesn't stick. Okay. Um, He's, like I said, a world-renowned forensic pathologist. Uh, he's done all kinds of autopsies on famous people. He works in L.A. Um, was it the guy that we were watching that did, like, prints or something? Who was it? Yes. On the show Autopsy. Fuck me. <laughs> um, so he speculated that Wood was uh, pretty sus- susceptible to bruising because 
Uh, previously, she had in her medical records that she had taken the drug Synthroid. In 2020, a medical doctor and formal, former intern of Dr. Noguchi, who was the medical examiner at the time of her death, uh, stated that the bruises were substantial and fitting for somebody who had been thrown out of the boat. Oh. He claimed that he made those observations to Noguchi, who apparently disregarded them completely. Hmm. In February of 2018, Wagner was named a person of interest by the police in the investigation. Police stated that they know that Wagner was the last person to be with Wood uh, before she disappeared. And in a 2018 report, the LA Times cited the coroner's report from 2013 stating that Wood had unexplained fresh bruising on her right forearm, left wrist, and right knee, and a scratch on her neck, a superficial scrape on her forehead as well, Hmm. which is a lot. I think. Yeah, that's more than just stumbling off the boat because you're drunk. Right. Officials said that it's possible that she was assaulted before she drowned. So, out of all that, what are we gleaning from it? There's two theories, I think, that I've I've kind of deduced from, from all the research I did. One is that Natalie was upset by her arguments with Robert, was drunk, and decided she was going to go back to the shore on her own. She untied this dinghy, attempted to step onto it, slipped and fell into the water where she drowned. Nope. Number two, the arguments between her and Robert caused some sort of physical altercation between them. She fell into the water, or maybe he pushed her, I don't know, and Robert was either A, willing to let her drown, or B, realized she had drowned and was trying to cover it up. All of the above. So I think he was both willing to let her drown and was like, let's go. Yeah. I want to, I'm going to kind of like condense all the like clues to, to figure out, I don't know what you and I think. First, I want to state that Natalie's mom was told when she was young, she went to a fortune teller and she was told that one, Natalie was going to be beautiful and famous. And two said that she should be aware of dark water. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, according to statements, Wood went to bed first. Wagner stayed up chatting with Christopher Walken. Uh, He later went in to join her, but noticed that both she and the dinghy were gone. So, according to him, he had no idea what happened, didn't see her leave, wasn't, didn't really seem all that concerned. However, uh, Davern, the, uh, I want to say the pilot, the captain, (laughs) (laughs) said that the weekend was completely filled with arguments and that the main issue was a bunch of flirtation between Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood. Davern said that Wood and Walken spent hours at a Catalina Island bar before Wagner even showed up and when he showed up and saw that he was pissed. Dude you were late. Sounds like you were late to the party don't be mad. All four of them then went to dinner at Doug's Harbor Reef restaurant where they shared champagne two bottles of wine, and a bunch of cocktails after that. Employees couldn't recall whether it was Wagner or Walken, but one of them threw a glass at the wall at some Wagner. point. Wagner. Probably. At around 10 p.m., they used their dinghy to get back to the Splendor. God, the I boat. hate that. No. Ding- the dinghy? I know, I hate that word, too. I tried to replace it, but it just didn't make sense. <laughs> um... Though reports initially stated that the fight had died down between everybody, Davern claimed otherwise in 2011. Uh, he said that everybody continued drinking once they were back on board of the boat and that Wagner was still extremely pissed off. He allegedly broke a wine bottle over a table and then screamed at Walken, quote, Are you trying to fuck my wife? Oh, good. 
Davin remembered walking, uh, retreating to his cabin at that point. He said, fuck this, I'm going to bed. And uh, Davin said that that was the, the last that he saw of Christopher. He also said that Wagner didn't want to turn the boat's floodlights on or call for help once he realized that uh, Natalie was gone and the boat, the dinghy, was gone. Uh, he said that that was because he didn't want to draw any attention to the situation. Natalie's sister thought that it was strange that one, Natalie, with her extreme fear of water, would even think to board a small boat on her own in the middle of the night on the ocean. It was raining, storming, like there's nothing oh, that I would wouldn't. make her no. think that she would do that on her own. Yeah. And two, that she would do it in just her nightgown, a down jacket, and some socks. Yeah, no, that's asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? He totally fucking killed her. You think he killed her? I think it was accidental, and he just got nervous and didn't know what and to do. And was drunk. And was like, was oh, fuck, drunk oh, fuck, oh, And fuck. was like, I gotta, it's not, let's not do this. Let's not do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think he, like, got drunk and pushed her maybe a little bit harder than he thought. Mm-hmm. She falls off the boat and drowns. And he's like, well, God, I gotta release this dinghy now. Yeah. Make it seem like she. It's 100% kind of what i think yeah i don't think he'll ever admit to that oh no or... and i'm surprised he hasn't already like the guilt like oh my god like she wasn't just a girl she was a very high profile woman well and at that point it wouldn't be like the charges would be serious but they wouldn't it's not first degree murder it's not even really second degree murder i think it'd probably be manslaughter at best because the intention wasn't there. Right, and it, everybody was drunk. It was just mm-hmm. reckless mm-hmm. at that point, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> I I think it's interesting. I don't remember. We were watching a show once, and they were talking about this, and I think they had brought the captain back on the boat. Ghost Adventures talks about it. Do they? I think so. They go there? I, I don't remember. But I remember the captain has, like, the table from the splendor and he has the sign from the splendor and he talks about how i don't know if he keeps it on his boat or what um but he talks about how he thinks it's haunted yeah by her right but he has the the table that he says that they broke the wine over and like all this and says that he sees natalie or hears natalie sometimes so weird that is the natalie wood story that's crazy what do you guys think ronnie no, the listeners. Well, I know, but oh. Ronnie, what do you think? Oh, man. Good one. Good story. Isn't that wild? It's Super sad. wild. I know. I, I don't know. This one's pretty sad, too. I've got a very sad story, and it's like super trigger warning. It talks about suicide. It. I will. I am the it that's talking about suicide. Um, and very detailed suicide. I kind of talk a little bit about what it looked like. Just like in super in depth, and I will post some pictures. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but I'm going to talk about the person first. Her name was Evelyn McHale, she was born September 20th, 1923, in Berkeley, California. Her parents were Helen and Vincent McHale. Um, she was six of seven children, though I didn't get like all of my sources did not have the same number for the amount of children, like some said eight, some said nine, a handful. Yeah, it was a lot. There was Multiple. a lot of kids, yeah. and she was one of them. Also, I got a lot of my information from medium.com, time.com, um, all that's interesting, um, and Codex 99 were my main sources. So 
Anyways, continuing. Apparently, Helen, the mother, suffered from undiagnosed depression, as do we all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, which, well, at least half. A, a good chunk of us, I think, deal with depression <clears throat> and don't realize what it is and just think that we're really sad or people mm-hmm. gaslight us and make us think that we're being crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, so that led to issues in not only her personal life, but then her marriage. Um, Vincent was a banker and in 1930, he accepted a position as a bond examiner for the federal farm loan board and moved the family to Washington, DC. He then later accepted a job in New York city and moved the family to Tuckahoe, New York, where Evelyn attended East Chester high school. As a junior, she, told um someone in the school's yearbook that her favorite movie was the girl of the golden west just a cute little fun fact about her um unfortunately by 1940 her parents divorced and all the children that were under 18 so minors stayed with the dad and eventually he became a stockbroker and moved to st louis missouri um helen after the divorce apparently moved to back to california where her family was so it's Evelyn's senior year of high school, and she's at Normandy High School, um, where she's uh, involved with the Women's Marine, Marine, it's not Marine, the Women's Army Corps. Um, according to the Saga website, the school's yearbook of Normandy said Evelyn was, quote, certainly quiet at times, but she could hold an intelligent conversation about practically any subject, end quote. So bright but shy. Um, yeah, that's like the best kind of person. The one who has enough restraint and is smart, but it doesn't yeah. have to like push the, the smart into your face all Hermione the time. Hermione Granger. Yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, so um, after graduating, she was, she initially went into the army and was stationed at Jefferson City, Missouri. Uh, she listed her occupation as office machine operator. She spent her time um, during, because the, the war was going on at that time. Mm. So she spent her time as a, uh, I guess, doing the machine operator stuff at the Jefferson Barracks near St. Louis. Apparently, the military service, though, wasn't her favorite thing. And it, after she got out, she apparently burned her uniform. So... I don't know if it was bitterness that she had or was just kind of like, fuck yeah, let's go. But after that, in late 1944, she eventually moved to Baldwin, New York, where she lived with one of her brothers and his wife. She worked as a bookkeeper at Kitab Engraving Company on Pearl Street in Manhattan. Um, This is where she met a man named Barry Rhodes, who was a college student and was also discharged. Um, He was in the U.S. Army Air Force. Which I was confused by the title because I was just like, there's no such thing as an army air force. And Jack uh, politely corrected me. Would you like to inform us about that? Because I feel like you're... Yeah, the air force started as like an offshoot of the army. It was part of the army and then... um... It became so big. They were like, we need our own thing. Right. So dumb. Um, Not dumb. became the space force. (laughs) What are we going to have now? Like the water force? It's the Navy. Oh. The underwater force? The Navy. The mega underwater force? Still Navy. The, I mean, so you can say the space force is like the air force because it's out in the air. They're like in extreme air. <laughs> yeah. Like outside the atmosphere. Yeah. Super I air. I don't know, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just in the army. Anyways, um, though most of the sources that I said found that they she found this man 
while she was working, but according to Codex 99, she met Barry at a New Year's Eve party in 1945 where she was celebrating her discharge from the army. So I don't know. The timeline's kind of scurry, but either way, she met this man and they eventually got engaged. Um, Their plan was to be married at Barry's brother's house in Troy, New York, June of 1947. So, um, you know, pretty pretty soon here uh in the summer of 1946 perry who was barry's brother that's confusing perry and barry (laughs) oh goodness um anyway perry got married and evelyn was one of the bridesmaids after the wedding she apparently tore off her dress and said quote i never want to see this again end quote and barry later told reporters uh that she quote worried for some silly reason because she was afraid she was not good enough to be my wife i thought i talked her out of that silly notion end quote um i think it's interesting his use of silly i think it had different meaning back then but um Regardless, on May 1st, 1947, Evelyn kind of made a decision that would change her life. Uh, She arrived at the Empire State Building shortly after 1030 in the morning, got a ticket to go inside, and made her way up the elevators into one of the observation decks, perhaps the only one. I don't know. I've never been there. Um, So once she was there, she politely and just naturally removed her coat that she was wearing put on the railing although that had a note in it and it just hung out there and she looked off the railing and it was like yep so she jumped off the 86th floor of the observation deck of the empire state building she fell 1,040 feet and finally landed or eventually landed on the a United Nations limo that was parked on 34th Street. As this was occurring with Evelyn, uh, patrolman John Morrissey was directing traffic below, not 10 feet away from her, basically. And oh he noticed God. a white scarf that was floating down from the upper floors of the building when he heard the crash. I can't even Could you imagine? imagine? No. no? Um, so he obviously rushed over and found her. He probably is the one that's like asking for backup and on all that. Um, four minutes after falling, um, a student, a photography student, Robert Wiles also heard the fall, the crash, and he saw the commotion. So he runs over there and he gets there four minutes after she had fallen, fallen, after she had fallen. And with his cool, fancy camera, he took her picture and that is known as the most beautiful suicide. Um, the, that term is actually coined by Time Magazine as the picture was first published by them in their Picture of the Week in May 12th of 1947. Um, so just a couple of days, like, what, 11 days after she had killed herself. Um, and that shot has even inspired artists such as Andy Warhol, who used it to paint... Uh, this screen print called suicide fallen body and also taylor swift more recently has nodded to the photograph in her music video for bad blood really i think so i'm if i'm thinking correctly i could i'd have to watch the music video but she has this scene where like somebody's falling off of the building and i can't remember if they land on a car or what but it seems like that would be the 
Anyways, uh, it's known as the most beautiful suicide because the photo shows Evelyn looking almost peaceful, um, almost like she could be sleeping or just relaxing. She's laying in a mess of crumpled steel, like it's literally like holding her body in like broken glass. Um, her feet are crossed at the ankles and her gloved left hand rests on her chest that's clutching her pearl necklace. Like it's holding onto it. Like it's so like it's haunting um so looking at the image without context you'd think this is staged like this is some like marvel movie or something like that but unfortunately it's real um a lot of people were just like amazed like how her body is still like whole and it's like there's no blood that she looks totally intact so it's i think that's what makes it even more awful so eventually detectives figure out that she jumped from the Empire State Building and they find her coat. Uh, specifically, a detective, Frank Murray, was the one that found her coat. But they, the note didn't give very much insight as to why she, I mean, does it ever. Uh, basically, oh. she said, quote, I don't want anyone in or out of my family to see any part of me. Could you destroy my body by cremation? I beg of you and my family, don't have any service for me or remembrance for me. This next part was scratched out, but it's still legible. And she continues to say, my fiance asked me to marry him in June. I don't think I would make a good wife for anybody. He is such he is much better off without me. Um, And then the rest of this is continued on, not scratched out. Uh, Tell my father I have too many of my mother's tendencies, end quote. And I think she's kind of nodding her hat towards the depression. Mm Mm-hmm. But the undiagnosed depression, did they even know it was depression back then? It was the 40s. Like, who knows what it was even considered as. But uh, to make things more odd for those that knew her, they had no idea of the intentions. They had no idea that she was, like, that desperate Mm -hmm. or that lost or that sad or that hurt, that hopeless. But... Again, to make matters worse, the day before she killed herself, she had been visiting Barry to celebrate his 24th birthday. Damn. He recounts the time, stating, quote, She often voiced fears of not being a good wife, but when I kissed her goodbye, she was happy and as normal as any girl about to be married, end quote. Um, so Evelyn left him that morning on May 1st to go back to New York at 7 in the morning. And Barry remembers, quote, I don't know what her last words to me were. She had to run for the train, end quote. That's so heartbreaking that he, like, it's just a normal moment. Like, okay, bye, I'll see you later. And she's, like, trying to get away because she's about to miss her train. So I want to note that Barry lived in Easton. Uh, I'm assuming that's in New York, which ended up being about 66 mile of a train ride from there to New York. So that's quite some time. So, like... I don't know if anybody that's listening, like, suffers with depression. It literally just takes one thing and, like, you just, you crumble. And, like, that train ride could have just really suffered for her. Um, could have been it. Yeah. yeah, that could have, like, really mm-hmm. hurt her mental health. But we all, we know what happened once she got back to New York. Um, She basically went straight to, because she got there at, like, 9 in the morning and she got to the Empire State Building by like 10.30. So she really just went straight there. 
After officers finished investigating and doing everything they needed to, her body was identified by Helen Brenner, who was her sister, and eventually after her body was released to the family, they cremated her, as were her wishes, and did not hold a funeral, and there's she doesn't even have a gravesite. I don't I'm not sure what they did with the ashes. They probably kept it, but they kept her wishes. No funeral, no remembrance, nothing. Um according well, famous photo. That's well, what sucks is like her her thing said like don't I don't want anybody to see this. Yeah. And everybody it's saw everywhere. This. It's everywhere. And it's still everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um so according to reporters, she Ugh, this is the very disturbing part. Her body was so broken from the fall that when they tried to remove her from the car, she basically fell apart. Mm-hmm. And, like, her body was, like, liquefied, yeah. basically. I can imagine, like, it just internally exploded. Like, everything. Like, all of your blood. All of everything just crushed. Yeah. So she was 23 years old at the time when she died, and she here's some fun stats that aren't so fun. She was the 12th person to jump off the Empire State Building since it was built. Um, apparently, she's the sixth to clear all the setbacks, which I'm assuming are like the things that they put in place so people don't do this. Um, but she was the sixth to clear all those, and she was one of five people to have done so within a three-week period. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So Holy in shit. response to this, attend because this like, media gets coverage. In. Nobody gets inside. Yeah. Sorry, bye. Right. With this media coverage, they were like, "Oh my god, everyone's gonna come here and kill themselves now." Yeah. Um. That's so what, that's yes. <laughs> that's what happens, right? They're like, "Oh, cool, I can just jump." Um. That doesn't sound cool at all. I'm sorry. Unfortunately. No, fortunately, sorry. In response, a 10-foot wire mesh fence was installed and guards were trained to spot potential jumpers. So they've got people there that are literally just standing there looking for anybody that might be jumping. Unfortunately, after the barrier was completed, people just went to other buildings Mm -hmm. and, like, other windows Mm -hmm. or, like, other floors and just jumped out the windows there. So... You know, it just, it kind of sucks that, like, if somebody's in that frame of mind and they're determined, they they'll figure a out a way to do it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess at least they are trying. But and at the end of the day, it's, there's not really much you can do besides try to get help to people before they get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Evelyn's death is still... Obviously, I'm sure the moment I said the most beautiful suicide, the moment I said she landed on a limousine, everybody had that picture in their head. Um, If you haven't seen it, it, Google it. Like I said, there's absolutely, I mean, we'll post a picture about it. There's absolutely no gore, nothing. Mm -hmm. It, it looks, it looks so extraordinary. She looks so beautiful and it makes me really sad that she's actually dead in that picture. But it's one of the most famous portraits ever taken in the almost last eight almost eight decades. Um, It's regarded alongside other photography like Malcolm Brown's 1963 image of a self-emulating, immolating Buddhist monk. Mm -hmm. Is it that one who lit himself on fire? fire. Oh, gosh. Um, Barry became an engineer after her death and eventually moved south. He died in Melbourne, Florida, October 9th, 2007. He was 86 years old. He never remarried. Well, I guess he never married in general because he wasn't married in the first place. That'd be pretty traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. Super sad. Um, The man, Robert Wiles, who took the picture, never published another photograph. Wouldn't have to. I also wonder if there was a guilt. Probably. With, like, 
I mean, I'm sure it's nice to like have your. You're young and brand. You're new young and, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna take this really cool picture and who cares? But then like and then seeing that. And it blows that, up and you're like, oh my god. Oh my god, this girl didn't want her face plastered on every side. Oh yeah, of the... I'm sure once you find that part out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Yeah, super sad, but yeah, that's it. That's all I have. That's Evelyn uh, McHale. Yeah, super, super duper sad. I. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have to say. Okay. Do you want? Do you have anything unrelated that you want to end on? No, I guess. Um, just general. There's suicide prevention hotlines. We know about those. Um, there's better help. There's so many mental health resources out there now. Um, veteran-specific ones. There's veteran-specific ones. There's first responder-specific ones. Um, there's so many. And if you guys need help finding resources, uh, just let us know, and we'd be more than happy to help you out with anything, especially if you're in yeah. the northern Colorado area. We have I, a ton. We have a ton in this area, and... Um, we have access to a ton. Yeah, and I was going to say, Jack and I probably have some ins with some things and can tell you some some good people that can help you out. Um, but otherwise, uh, I mean, I talk about my mental health all the time. It's been such a struggle to, like, find a therapist. And then once I find one, have one that actually, like, gets me. And everybody has to have that click with their therapist. I haven't found that yet still. And it's so frustrating and i know i know it's so much and jack and i talk about it all the time like i need to find a therapist but that's stressful and i just like dating it's the worst Finding a therapist is so much like dating and it's like you have to gel with somebody and then like you have to be you're expected to tell them like all these really personal things yeah and how do you do that if you're not gelling with them or like vibing with them in a certain way and they're not exactly what you Mm -hmm. are comfortable with like ah and it sucks, too, because I was talking in my training this last week about how you can hit up a therapist and it's like, oh, well, we'll f- we're fully booked and we don't have yeah. any availability until and like eight months from now. Covers it. Yeah. So it's it's, it's such so... a struggle right now. And I know I know it's hard and I know we've been dealing with the worst two years that we've ever seen with COVID, with the political climate, with now what what's going on with Ukraine, like all of this shit like just keeps piling up and we have our own personal lives to deal with we have the economy like whatever you're suffering with like in your own personal life it's hard it's so hard and i get it and i just i hope if you guys need anybody to talk to like i know this is so weird like two random people on a podcast but i'd be more than happy to like talk to you Mm -hmm. and let you know that what you're feeling is completely valid and you have every right to feel that and you can just have a safe space with us totally um otherwise therapists are probably your best because <laughs> i can't give you any advice or anything like that i can just say be like a shoulder i guess anyways um also don't push people off boats don't do that and also like just let people be drunk and angry yeah 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 just be a good person um you can find us on instagram at who knew podcast you can find us on patreon at the same and then if you want to email us you can do that at who knew podcast 666 at gmail.com um it is helpful to us if you you know like or comment or rate us on you know apple podcast or whatever uh platform you listen to podcasts on and otherwise that's all i got Nice. I'm drinking a beer that's called Whiskers on Kittens. It's the only...
we literally went to a liquor store to find this beer yesterday because she doesn't drink. She doesn't drink, but she's drinking that. <laughs> and of course, it's called Whiskers on Kittens. Whiskers on Kittens. I don't know the full song, otherwise I'd sing it to you guys, but I think it's time for us to go. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>